Hallelujah. Uh, ten years in the nation of Belgium, evangelizing, planning new churches, training and equipping future leaders and pastors. In uh, 2012, they assumed the position of a pastor of the headquarters church in a, of the United Pentecostal Church in Belgium called the Rock Church in Brussels. In the last 10 years, they have seen great revival, both in Brussels and in the nation of Belgium. And Jerome and Yona have two children, Nathaniel 11 and Louisa 8. Amen. And I'm so glad to have this dear brother. Uh, we had such a great time meeting in, the, in my office just a little while ago. And I believe God has a word for us through him. And it's such a pleasure to host him and be here with us today. Would you welcome Pastor Jerome Van Gogh. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Amen. Would you lift your hands one more time to the Lord? Would you lift your voices one more time to the Lord? The presence of the Lord is in this house this morning. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, great God. We worship you, great God. Hallelujah. We praise you, mighty God. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We lift you up. We magnify you, God. Hallelujah. Move in this place, God. Heal. Deliver, God. Give hope in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you would remain standing just a couple more minutes and we're going to get ready for the word of the Lord. Amen. Before I say anything else, I want to tell you that I feel the presence of God here this morning. I feel the spirit of the Lord is ministering to us. I feel that there's a lot of needs here and uh, um, I, I believe God is going to restore brokenness this morning. And before the service is open, you may go home with hope in your heart, knowing that God is with you and God is going to fight your battles. I feel someone has been saying, God, where are you? And you need to step in and fight my battles. Maybe I'm here this morning just to remind you he's going to fight your battles. God has heard you and God will hear you. And you will go home knowing God is on your side. Does that make sense to anybody? Amen. Hallelujah. I believe God is going to minister to us this morning. Amen. I give honor to your pastor and his wife, and the leadership of this church. Amen. It's all, in the kingdom of God. You make friends in a different way than in the world. It doesn't take a long time to feel God is in a certain connection. I just met your pastor and I feel that there's this great connection uh, because we're part of the same family. To hear his stories about his missionary work in Europe, uh, that is amazing in itself. The work he has done in Hungary and in that region. The fact that he knows and was a friend to my pastor, Brother Chula. I didn't knew that until today. Which, which I think is wonderful that the connection is there. I wish my pastor was alive. That I could tell him all the people that he knew before I knew them and tell them, I've met everybody you know. And um, if, I'm sure your pastor will agree, if you knew Brother Chula, he was very unique. 
there was no one like him. He was a Sicilian that went to America and he came as a missionary to Belgium and started all the works that are currently still active in Belgium. Amen. Over 25 years ago, he was, amen. He uh, was small in stature, but his personality was larger than life. And he pastored the old way. I don't know how else to say it. He ruled with an iron hand. <laughs> he was very much, uh, oh, he, he, he told me, he said, Jeroen, you're a diamond, but God has sent me in your life to roughen out the edges. And so that's what he did. And I'll tell a little bit about my story in just a bit. I was not raised in the church. Uh, I came to church when I was 19 years old. And I didn't know anything about the Bible or God until God stepped in when I was 19. And I'll tell a little bit about that in just a moment. But I'm thankful to be here this morning. I give honor to you, this great church. Um, we're going to go into the word of the Lord this morning in Psalms 34. And we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 6. Amen. Give honor to my wife and my two children who are uh, currently in Belgium right now. They couldn't come with me, um, but I sure wish they would. Um, our church just celebrated our 10-year pastoral anniversary two weeks ago. And we had our, our guest, who is my pastor, Tom Trimble, who pastors in St. Louis. He was with us. And uh, God is doing great things in Belgium. God is doing great things in Europe. Our church was packed until the front door. Uh, we were about 140, 150. And our church comfortably seats about 100 people. And so uh, the Lord is doing a great work in Europe. Uh, I am not... A missionary I am a national meaning I am the product of missions I was born and raised in Belgium my mother is Netherlands anybody speak Dutch here nobody probably is there someone who speaks French amen we have someone who speaks French amen so I am bilingual and a lot of people in Belgium are bilingual they speak Dutch and French uh, but just in case you wonder why you want to give to global missions it's standing right in front of you because of your giving because of your sacrifice god opens doors in nations far beyond the united states in a little country of belgium where god saved my family and i and we came to the truth in 2002 and so you're looking at the product of global missions. And I think that's exciting. Amen. Well, let's go into the word of the Lord. Psalms 34 and verse 1. It's a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. The scripture says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. Verse 6 says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. That's enough to know that God hears. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Amen. My message this morning, I won't, with the help of the Lord, I will not be too long. The sound of the supernatural. The sound of the supernatural. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift your voices one more time to the Lord? Amen. And ask God to speak and to minister to us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the anointing that I feel in this place. Bind us together, Lord, in one accord and in one mind. And speak to us, God. Minister to us, Lord, as we receive, submit, and obey. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? Amen. And as you see it, tell three people, you have to release a sound. Go ahead, tell three people, release a sound. Amen. Praise God. Amen. That sound is in this place this morning. Amen. Pragmatism is a philosophical movement. That says that an idea or an ideology is true if it works and has success. Within the movement of pragmatism, for example, children should not go to school to reach goals. But they should go to school and work only on those things they like and that they are good at. Because if they like it, it works. And when it works, it becomes successful. Within pragmatism, you should only work a job you like and you're good at. Because that works. Within pragmatism, a person will only look at the facts. Not really at emotions or stories or assumptions. Pragmatism today is very popular. Everybody wants to pursue whatever works in their lives. It needs to go fast. It needs to get the job done and it has to have success. People don't want to waste time anymore figuring out how things will work and will it have the desired results. If it works, let's do it. Regardless of morals, values or standards. The church has not been unfazed by the thoughts or the movement of pragmatism. In fact, if we're not careful, the church comes to a point where the church can say, let's do whatever works, regardless of morals, regardless of standards, regardless of what the Bible has to say. If it has success, let's pursue it. And that's a dangerous place to be at. You see, you all, you and I have been around for a couple of days couple of years maybe longer I'm 39 so I've not been around that long I'll just leave it at that I I've seen people come and go I've seen many styles of music 
come and go. I've seen many programs that the church has invented to try to be successful. I've seen technology expand and churches jump on the bandwagon of the latest trends and things they thought that would work. And they worked for a season. And after a season, it stopped working. And so we go look for the next thing that works. I've seen people using everything and anything to find peace in their lives. To find rest in their lives. To find hope and healing and deliverance. And the world offers things that work. We cannot deny that. There are things that work in the world. But they are just for a season. Nothing the world offers is eternal. Nothing the world offers has a long term. It's short-lived, short-term, instant. It works. It has success. But it's always for a season. In all these years, I've come to the understanding that there is only one thing that really actually works for the church. It works for your lives and it will work regardless of the situation, regardless of the culture, regardless, regardless of the place you may find yourself, whether in Belleville, whether somewhere in a little local church in Brussels, Belgium, that one thing I discovered was when I gave my life to the Lord, when I was 19 years old, I, I was not raised in a Pentecostal church. I was raised a Catholic. And in Belgium, 90% of the people are raised Catholic. Which basically means you're raised an atheist. You go to church once or twice a year for Easter or when somebody gets married or dies. And that's it. There is no value. There is no culture. There is nothing really that is added to it. You're just raised Catholic. To me, I was raised without the knowledge of God, Jesus, or the Bible. The only church I knew existed was a Catholic church. And I was raised with the idea that God was a statue. That God could not be touched with our needs. That God could not feel nor care about you because he was a distant image carved in stone, locked somewhere in a museum. To me, God was cold. God was too complex. To me, God was impersonal. And if he's impersonal, he cannot reach my human needs. If you wanted to reach out to God, you had to burn a candle, do some very mystical religious rites and being perfectly silent at the same time. Because after all, God is, is not deaf, so why cry and make a fool out of yourself? That's the notion I had of God. And all of this changed in the summer of 2002. When my life completely changed because of something that happened in my family. You see, all of us were, were raised Catholic. I have two other brothers and my parents. And 
My oldest brother came to a point in his life after a, a breakup with his girlfriend. And he was, I guess he was 23 at the time. The breakup was so dramatic that he became suicidal. Um, to him, that girl was his God. And, and when she left him, his God left him. And uh, he told me on several occasions, I think I need to end it. The pain is too much and the grief is too hard. I want to get rid of the pain. Anybody ever been there? And so my mom, who kind of believed in everything, she did astrology, she did all kind of, she was, she was searching in New Age, but she was also searching in the Bible. And on one summer in 2002, when my brother and I were standing in the kitchen and he was in his lowest point of his life, my mom looked at him and he said, son, maybe you got to cry out to God. And he looked at my mom and he said, please do not talk to me about God. What can he do for me? And he started to curse God in the kitchen. My mom looked at him and she said, please don't talk like that. And he replied, what is he going to do? Strike me with lightning? And I wish the story would go that God struck him with lightning. Because that would have been a cool story in itself. <laughs> but no lightning came. <laughs> he left that conversation. And a few days later, he booked a trip to the United States to visit my family in Florida. We did not know that back then, but they were going to uh, United Pentecostal Church in Palm Bay with Pastor David Myers. And as he went there on that Sunday morning, they got ready. And my brother said, what are you guys doing? He said, well, it's Sunday morning and we go to church. And being polite as he is, he went with them to church. And make a long story short, in a span of three weeks, God began to work in the life of my brother. And on the night he had to go back to home, to Belgium, God was working on him, and, he, and they were talking about baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and to us, that is very strange language. We never heard of those things before. And the night before he left, he said, God, if you want me to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, you have to tell me. And the next morning, he stood at the airport. And as he is about to board the plane, the flight attendants Stops him. And he says, sir, there has been a bomb threat on the airplane. You cannot fly home. You'll have to stay another day. There was no bomb threat. There was nothing. He said, okay, God, if that's what you want me to do. He went back home to my family that same night. Got baptized in Jesus' name. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And God completely changed him. He, that night he called me on the phone. He said, Yeroon, I said, he said, I just received the Holy Ghost. I said, the what? <laughs> he said, the Holy Ghost. I looked at my mom and said, I think he's crazy. 
said, listen, listen. And he began to speak in tongues for 10 minutes over the phone. And I put it on speaker so that my mom and my dad and my other brother could hear it. And he was speaking in tongues. And I looked at the phone and I thought, something. What is this? But as he continued, I felt something so powerful come into our house. I remember I dropped him off at the airport and he was white as a ghost. And when I saw him back in Belgium, he was completely changed. There was a light about him. His countenance was changed. And I looked at him and I said, I don't know what happened, but I need what you have. I need what you have. The world cannot give this to me. I want what you have. And in that summer of 2002, my brother baptized me. My other brother, my mom, and my dad in the swimming pool of my parents' home. We did not know there was a church. We don't know, know what to do, but my brother went on upc.org and printed out a statement of faith. And as I was standing in the swimming pool, Pastor, he said, by the authority of the Word of God, I had no clue what was going on. He said, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And he said, you ready? I said, I'm ready. No Bible, no church, just wanted to have salvation. I wanted to know God in a real way. He baptized me, he baptized my brother, he baptized my mom and my dad. And in a couple of days, God led us to the church in Brussels that was pastored by Brother Chula. And we are now privileged to pastor that church. Uh, do you know what caused this miracle? The night he cursed God in the kitchen. And my mom said, please don't do that. My brother went back to his home and sat at his bed. And he didn't told us, but after everything happened. And he said, that night, for the first time in my life, I went on my knees. And I said, if there is a God, you have to get me out of this place. And he said, and I cried unto a God I didn't know. And God heard him. There is a sound that we can release from the darkest of places. And God will hear you and will start the miracle in your life. I want to submit to you this morning that that is the only thing that works. To call on the name of your God. There is nothing more powerful. There is nothing more efficient. There's nothing more apostolic or biblical than when a man, a woman, a teenager, a child that will release a sound from the depths of their heart unto a God that hears, a God that knows. And a God that feels. God will never turn a deaf ear to someone that cries out to him. 
that sound, that cry, that worship, it changes the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere in your family. It changes the atmosphere in this church. It releases the power of God. And there are some moms sitting here today. Some dads sitting here today. And if you will release that sound to the Lord and begin to cry over your children, over this church and over your family, God is going to step in in what you think is the darkest time of your life. Please understand, your shout is not just a Pentecostal thing. Our praise, our shout is not just a reaction to music. Your cry is not just emotion. It's a biblical obedience to God's word. The devil is a liar by telling to us it will not help if you cry out to God. Anybody ever heard that? Don't, don't, don't lift your voice to God. He, he doesn't hear you. Devil, he is a liar. That sound, if it is released, it is released with faith. And when faith is with it, and the obedience to God's word, it will break walls. It will break chains. It will bring change into your situation. It's the voice that says, God, I need you now. God, step in right now. God, deliver me now. It's the sound of the supernatural and it works. David in Psalms 34 was in a very particular place. Uh, the Bible says that, that this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out, out of all his troubles. Psalm 34 was written when David was fleeing away from Saul. David was becoming very notorious. He was a gifted warrior. And he apparently slayed a lot of people. And Paul, uh, Saul was getting jealous of David because of his popularity. And Saul wanted to kill David. And so David, in fear for his life, thought the only place I can run to is to the Philistines. The enemies will not know me. I, nobody will recognize me. I'll just go to the Philistines so, so I, my life can be spared. And he arrives at the Philistines' camp. But everybody knew David. They began to say it in the city, David is here. I think I've seen David and the king hears about it. And David knows that everybody knows and so even in the Philistines, everybody knows me. And if they know I'm here, they may want to kill me. And so David finds no other option but to disguise himself. And he started to act like he was a madman. The Bible says that he was foaming at the mouth. And there was saliva dripping from his beard. And he was biting himself, making carved images on the city walls. This is King David, the king said, have you brought another madman to my city? Get him out. And so David fled. And it is in that place, that place of shame and fear, that place where David is 
acting like he's completely crazy. That he cries out to God. He flees to a cave with a, a hundred and so other people with him that are all depressed. They're all broken. They're all running from something. And it is in that place where David cries out to God. And it is in that place that God hears him. Please understand me this morning. We don't always cry from a perfect place. We don't always cry from the pew on Sunday morning. Our shout is not always birthed from a place of victory. Your praise doesn't always come from the place of perfection and victory. Our dance is not always produced from a place of glory and joy. Sometimes, pastor, we cry from a very lonely, dark place. And God hears us. Sometimes we shout from a place of depression. We dance from a place of guilt and shame. And God hears us. Sometimes we praise from the pit of despair and fear, thinking, surely God is not going to see me here. Surely God will not visit me in this cave. But that is exactly the place where God will hear and where God will show up. Amen. If we shout from that, if we cry from that place, God will hear us. David was anointed as king, but he acted as a slave. And he had every reason to think, surely God will not pay attention to me. But God heard him. Surely God will not hear me after I made this mess. But God heard him. God won't turn his ear towards me after what I've gone through. But God came to his rescue. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. But there is a sound that you can release from whatever place you find yourself this morning and don't listen to the lie of the enemy saying you got first got to get it right before you can shout to God you first got to clean up yourself and then you're worthy enough to cry out I cried out to God when I had no Bible no church living in sin, addicted to everything. But I said, I want what you got. And God heard it. The cry you make unto your father is stronger than your mistake. The shout is stronger than your pain. Your cry is stronger than the anxiety and the depression. It's the sound of deliverance. It's the sound of healing. It's the sound every church needs to release if it wants to bring forth revival. And that sound will be released here this morning. It's in the atmosphere. There's such a need, I feel, that, that, that a lot of you have brought to this place with the intention, God, you need to step in. God is going to do it. The biblical record is filled with evidence that a miracle precedes or, or a shout precedes a miracle. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And the sound of his voice birthed the universe. 
In Exodus chapter 3, the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry. And I'm come down to deliver them. Psalms 24, 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. What is the first thing you don't want to do when you are in distress? Cry out to God. We shut down. We're so defeated. It's that fight or flight reaction even unto God. And when the door is not opened and when pain comes to your life and when you are deceived and hurt by anything or anyone, your first reaction is not, Jesus, I'm here. Your first reaction is, we bring that to church. And deception begins to grow and isolation begins to creep in. And I want to remind some of you today, if you want God to step in, you've got to break the silence. And release that cry unto God in humility, in surrender to him and say, God, I don't understand it all, but I am crying out to you because you're my only answer I can have in my life. Anybody understand what I'm trying to say? Second uh, Chronicles 14 and 11. King Asa cried unto the Lord his God in the face of an army. And God fought his battle. Before rain would come to Israel, the prophet Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. King Jehoshaphat, when faced with an impossible victory, he put the worshipers in front of the army. And the sound of the trumpets and the sound of worship confused the enemy. And God fought his battle. Uh, Joshua 6 and 20. I don't have to tell you about the walls of Jericho and how they fell down. Before God would tear down the walls, the people of Israel had to release a shout. And when that shout was released, the wall would come down. Mark 5. The demoniac cried out to Jesus. And Jesus delivered him. Blind Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus. And Jesus healed him. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. Before they were filled. A sound was released. Oh, let's keep it quiet in church. Let's keep it quiet in your house. Don't put that music on. Don't pray at home. You're disturbing. No. We have to release it. Because it's our way to tell God, I need you. Revelation teaches us that before the Lord will come back, there will be a sound released. The sound of the trumpet before he will come back. He never comes if he's not announced. You've got to announce him in your life. Not just sit there and I showed up to church. Now you show up. We don't just badge in and here I am God. I tell my church going to the gym does not make you fit. You can watch those guys curl 
whatever, I, in kilos, I don't know how much it is, in pounds. Yesterday at the gym, 25 something, whatever. You can watch those curls for 20 hours and there won't be a muscle that grows. Right? You can watch that guy doing the treadmill for 30 minutes and think, whoo, what an exercise. But it will not give you any cardi cardiovascular activity. You must show up. But you also need to get involved with the will of God and with the plan of God and with the word of God and with the man of God and with the voice of the Lord. You've got to release something so God can do something. Oh, yes. Somebody shout yes. It confuses the enemy. When you go through an anxiety and fear, there's nothing that confuses the enemy more than you lifting up your hands to the Lord. Begin to magnify the name of Jesus. It will tell your spirit he's in control and it will tell the enemy, I'm not buying your lies. It's a sound that ushers in a breakthrough in this church, in your life, in your family. There's a sound that you can make that will never go unnoticed by the King of Kings and by the Lord of Lords. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I won't be long. Hallelujah. I, I know that you don't know me and I don't know you but I feel pushed by the Holy Ghost to share this with you and I, I don't share this everywhere in my church I share with, with my church uh, but I feel I have to share it maybe to help someone in January of 2021 I went to a, a season of panic attacks and anxiety I've preached against fear ever since I was allowed to preach, which was very fast after I got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Back then it was Brother Robinette, Charles Robinette, who was the aimer in our church. And he prayed with me to get the Holy Ghost. And, uh, well, if you know Charles Robinette, he... <laughs> and then Brother Chula came. And when Brother Chula came, he said, you go preach. And I preached against fear and and now it was invading my own life. It started with one panic attack. And one panic attack led to uh, one panic attack a week. And that led to several panic attacks a day. Until I became immobilized. I was afraid to go to the store. I was afraid to drive my car. Because I got fearful of the fear. I went to a doctor and I went to a psychotherapist and they pres prescribed me medication said that they'll help you I never touched it I drank tea I drank some teas natural stuff it was a very dark time the church was in a lockdown for almost a year now that's a long time in Europe they shut the churches not for two weeks our church was shut for almost one year 
I would have anxiety crises at night. I would hyperventilate. I thought I was going to die and have a heart attack. Until one night, the Lord said, next time you have a panic attack, invite me. That changes everything. Why didn't I thought of that before? There's a lot of things we don't get because we don't pray about it. We're thinking about it and we're analyzing it but be honest with me we never really address it in prayer and the panic attack came you feel it coming up I don't know if anybody have you ever had it you feel it coming up and I said okay God it's coming walk with me in the middle of the night I went down to my living room and I said I don't know what you want me to do but you're welcome right here could hardly breathe pastor and I was pacing up and down and monitoring my heartbeat all crazy stuff out of fear and the Lord said worship I said what I can hardly breathe I don't want to worship lift your hand and begin to worship me and in a couple of minutes my vocabulary started to change I began to say, I'm not a slave to fear. God is with me. God is for me. God will help me. I am not a failure, but I am anointed of God. I am a man of God. And if you know anything about psychology, that is the essence of getting through any anxiety. How you talk to yourself. That is scientifically proven, but the Bible was there decades before that the next crisis came and I said God I'm excited let's walk together and I talked with him and we walked together and I started to go outside and I would do walks for hours and hours in the woods and in a matter of days what seemed to be insurmountable God dealt with because I released a sound out of a place I thought God rejected me. I don't have to tell you about Jonah. Preach, man of God. And Jonah says, no, 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 no. Not to Nineveh. They don't deserve it. And he walks away. You know the story. It's cute to color it. It's another thing to live it. In Jonah chapter 2, in the belly of that fish, what does he do? Then Jonah prayed. And he said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord and he hurt me Jonah even describes it out of the belly of hell I cried and you heard my voice even in the belly of hell God transcends the sky the earth 
the waters of the oceans, the skin of a big fish, the muddy, stinking place where Jonah is. And God says, I am here. Commands a fish to do something, delivers Jonah, and gives him a second chance. What would stop you from crying out to God right now? Oh, but I've been wrestling with something for so many years. It doesn't matter. Cry out to the Lord now and He will hear your voice. I've been going through darkness and I don't know what to do. I'm here to tell you this morning, lift your voice and cry unto the Lord. you have in your mind or in your family but where you are at what really works if you lift that voice to the Lord and begin to call on the name of your God in a moment I'm going to open up this altar but I want you where you are to get really uncomfortable and to start lifting up that voice to the Lord. I know it's not a pretty place, but it's the only thing that will get God out of that. close your eyes for a moment would you close your eyes for a moment nobody's looking at anybody but ever since the service started I feel there's a ministering of God's spirit and it's in healing and broke of brokenness it's not necessarily physical but it's very much spiritual and emotional and the apostolic church is strong on physical healing but when it deals with emotional healing, we kind of don't know what to do. We tell people you need to pray more. We tell people you don't pray enough. And that's about it. God not only heals bodies, God also heals hearts, restores minds, delivers from depression, removes anxiety, deals with suicidal tendencies and we may think it never happens in the apostolic church but we're wrong 
We must lift our voices to God when our hearts are hurting because He's the healer of the broken. The balm of Gilead still heals broken lives, shattered minds and hurting spirits. But you've got to lift up that voice to God and trust God with your emotions. Or trust your emotions to God and trust your spirit to the Lord. Because He knows how to heal the inner man. That kind of healing is going to take place right here. Because that's what I felt from the beginning. I've seen God do it in my life. I've seen God do it in the lives of my children. I've seen God do it all over going to do it here fear does not need to rule your life depression should not be your identity your past should not be your reference Jesus is your reference the devil is a liar God is going to hear your voice as you cry to Him. And so if every eye is closed, if this is speaking to you, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. And I'm lifting mine. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and say, God, I've built walls around that pain. But today, as I release it unto you, tear down those walls, heal me. I'm inviting you to come to this altar and if you don't want to come alone, grab somebody by the hand and say, come, I want to meet with God. Thank you, please come to the altar. There is no shame, there is, this is between you and God. Would you make your way down to the altar? Together as one united body, let us lift our voices unto God. Those of you that pray and minister at the altar, go ahead and fight somebody and begin to pour out healing on them. There it is. Come on. Release that sound. It's not a Pentecostal thing. It's a biblical thing. Cry out to the Lord. Go ahead, brother. You're not rejected. There is hope and healing in the Lord. Yeah.